Hello and welcome to the Go Away podcast. Today we have Shiva Ayadure. He's an independent candidate for the U.S. Senate in our home state of Massachusetts. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. So would you like to start off by talking a little bit about, uh, you know, your campaign and your main opponent, Elizabeth Warren? Sure. You know, our campaign um, slogan is only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And that slogan has a lot of depth to it because it's not about um, the issue with uh, identity. What this has to do with, and the reason we use that slogan, and the reason I'm very, very upset, and the reason I'm running is because, you see, I came here as an immigrant, uh, worked my butt off, um, you know, you know, been working probably since I was a, a kid, had a lawn mowing business, um, had a landscaping business, you know, as a part of that lawn, lawn mowing business, was a, uh, worked as a carpenter, uh, worked as a painter, you know, worked as a software engineer. As a 14-year-old kid, I built the first email system while working at Rutgers University. I never cut in front of line. You know, my parents came here legally. And when I came to MIT, you know, I didn't lie to get into MIT. But Elizabeth Warren and her generation and of politicians, be it Republican or Democrat, are all about cheating and lying. And what's happened to this country is we have accepted bad behavior. And on top of it, we have accepted that it's okay to be bullied, that you have to vote for one of these parties. And that's what needs to end. It's time that America raised its standards and it's time that everyday working people got better choices like people like myself who've worked hard, gone through the process of immigration, through the public school systems, working hard, uh, education. And I went in and out of MIT over many years, got four degrees, including my PhD, started seven companies, created thousands of jobs in Massachusetts. And that kind of person is what Massachusetts needs. And that kind of other people like that is what this country needs. We don't need career politicians. We don't need people who are lawyer lobbyists. We need people who wanna actually do public service. You see, Cooper, I don't need to do this. I'm running a multi-billion dollar company now. There's no reason I should be doing this by any rational accord. All of my friends and my very close friends are saying, why are you doing this? The only reason I'm doing this is because I care for this country and it's my way of giving back. And I'm disgusted with people like Elizabeth Warren, disgusted with people like Charlie Baker, disgusted with the Republican and Democratic Party who do not stand for everyday people in this country. Right. And most of these career politicians have never actually held a real job in their lives and they haven't created any other jobs. So, you know, they're they're purporting to be the job creators here, but uh, really they've had no firsthand experience and, and you have. So I, that's well, one. That's first, well, first of all, they have, um, they are part of a clique. They're part of an insider trading game and they bully everyday people that you have to vote Republican or Democrat. In Massachusetts, first of all, the majority is independence. And it's time for people to declare their independence and stop being bullied by either of these parties. Well, I actually saw a statistic that almost over, I think, 60% of the population of America is actually independent and that they just are forced into blocks because it's because of the first pass to vote, especially because of the first pass to post voting system where it's, you know, you have to vote for the this party because unless you do, the other party wins because the more rivals you have, the easier it is to win in the system. Well, it's even deeper than that. What it is is you have a governmental industrial, military, industrial, academic complex that President Eisenhower talked about, Senator William Fulbright talked about. Today, they they use the term the deep state. And that deep state has two wings, 
to it, the Republican wing and the Democratic wing, but they both serve the same master. And that's what needs to be understood. They do not serve the American people. They serve a global elite. They serve a set of people of very, very large corporations who do not care about any country or any individual. And the Democrat and Republican parties are both evil. And the reality is that everyday people want to be independent. And the virtues of this country were based on hard work, excellence. You showed up, you worked hard, and you had a certain amount of discipline on how you did everything. And what these people have done is destroy all of that. So you have a whole generation of people who think that handouts are what's appropriate. They think that cheating is okay. They think that lying is okay. They think lack of excellence in their work is okay. And that will destroy this country. The reason my parents left India was they were people of amazing excellence and they wanted a better future. And, and that's what this country offered. You know, the whole notion of sanctuary cities is absolutely ridiculous. You go down to that, you look at what they've done to the vets in this country. You go look at what they've done to minorities and poor whites in this country. They create race war. You have complete racist scum like Howie Carr, who tells white people to hate black people. And then you have the other side of the racist scum, like the Boston Globe, who tells people that white people are racist. And that's what they do. They create race war. They do not want everyday people to be unified and recognize that the establishment is one. Republicans and Democrats profit from war and sickness and war and sickness profits Republicans and Democrats. And our campaign is about busting that up, destroying that and giving people a real choice because that's what this country deserves. And that's what everyday people deserve. They do not deserve this nonsense. So I actually, so even though I didn't agree with a lot of Trump's policies, and even though you know he's running as a Republican, because he's not a career politician, I actually really liked and I would have voted for him because I like the fact that he's running against pretty much the definition of a corrupt career politician, Clinton, whereas she's a political family, she married in, and she's this person who's completely corrupt and has absolutely terrible history, Benghazi, the email scandal, and was still lauded as this person. And then if you didn't vote for her, you hate women. No, we hate people who are corrupt assholes who uh, take advantage of people, who take advantage of of the country and make sure and, and, and control it for the personal gain. Um, the other thing is also, I actually, my family has a very similar immigrant story. Obviously I was not directly part of it, but my great grandfather worked from, walked from Odessa to Hamburg after his village was burnt down in the, uh, in the sediment of the pale. He took a boat to um, Toronto. He worked at a coat factory for 10 years. Then he went down to New York city and he set up a bakery. His son, put himself through college when there were still Jew quotas on schools and, you know, worked hard and he built himself up. And then he put my, and he, him and my father put them, him, my father through college actually at the same university, MIT. And my father became a patent lawyer. And, and that's how my family built themselves up. It was over three generations of hard work and they weren't given sanctuary cities. They were actually attacked because of their race and religion. And they didn't complain. They actually worked harder to get to get to a place that most people aren't at today because of the because they aren't they don't have the excellence in the work ethic to achieve it. Yep. Sorry, my mic shut off. Um. Anyway, I was going to say that the what, what's unfortunate is that the majority of the people I'd say in the country and certainly in Massachusetts have been brainwashed to basically believe this BS that's pushed mainly by the Democratic Party in 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 our state. Uh, in other in other areas, it's it's certainly the Republican establishment. But how do you sort of uh, I would guess for I would phrase it break the 
the sort of matrix that people are forced to believe just, you know, based on the people around them that are in turn brainwashed by, you know, corporate media, et cetera. Well, look, I've been uh, fighting this pretty much most of my life. And, and what you learn is that the establishment is not as strong as you think they are. They're actually quite weak. They're quite spineless. And um, they sit on their laurels and they essentially um, work through corruption. If you look at Massachusetts right now, it, we have one of the worst public infrastructures, the T, the highways. I think it's rated 47th. One of the worst ratios for the fact that there's nearly for every 17 skilled tech, high tech skill labor job, uh, jobs, only one person is skilled. We have the worst uh, three times the national average opioid addiction. And I think we were rated on one of the worst in, uh, or in public integrity. That's what the swamp or the sewer uh, of the swamp in Massachusetts has delivered. Think about that, Republicans and Democrats. So I think we need to be very careful when we, when we let the Republicans get away with this. Both are horrible, both are, are part of the swamp. You cannot, um, you see things going waves and you gotta understand this. In, in the old days, they'd say, well, you know, you got to vote for a Democrat because the Republicans are so evil. Well, now people will try to do the alternate thing. The reality is both of them are power, share power and they collude together. In Massachusetts, there's one party. Sometimes in, in this case, they behave a lot like Democrats. Um, but the reality is there's just one party. And to say that the Republicans are any better is absolutely false. The reality is there's one party and they both collude together against everyday working people. So we cannot get caught in that illusion. Look, Trump uh, is not a Republican or a Democrat. He uh, he basically hijacked the Republican Party and he's not anywhere near a Republican or a Democrat. And uh, we don't know what four dimensional uh, or five dimensional chess game he's playing. But the Trump win um, was not about the Republicans winning. It was about the fact that people were anti-establishment. And what's occurring right now is the establishment Republicans are trying to sucker in all those people who voted for Trump who are fundamentally anti-establishment. They're not pro-Republican by using fake Trumpers and trying to bring them back into the establishment uh, Republican Party. And this is a natural thing that's gone on throughout history. You have real change agents that take place. People get inspired and then the establishment reacts back by using not so obvious establishment people to sucker them back in. Republicans do it and Democrats do it. So, But so. the opportunity they have with our election is historic because, you know, I'm a pretty formidable opponent. You know, it's hard to find someone who's articulate, who's smart, who comes across well, who's got four degrees from MIT, who came through the entire American journey. I'm a, you know, I'm the American that none of these people are. Elizabeth Warren is not an American. You know, none of the Republicans are Americans. Charlie Baker is not an American. He didn't struggle. I've struggled with grit and determination. And that's what the American journey has always been. So we need to get America back to the Americans. My thing, my issue is actually, I don't even think it's a, the, the American. I think the, the quality of Americans has went down because they've been coddled. My generation is the generation, as I put it, of participation awards, uh, of saying that even if, if you participate, it's good enough of free stuff and of being told you're entitled. Yeah, that's the I mean, issue. I mean, look, uh, I still get up at four in the morning and I work until 12. My mom used to do that when she passed away. Everyone I that I was surrounded by who were my mentors worked hard and had a high, high degree of dignity for work and excellence. And I mean, uh, when you take that away, you don't you take away something from a human being. 
And that's what's going on. And, and, and to your point, when you coddle people, when you say it's okay to lie, to cut in line, that's what Elizabeth Warren did. On the Republican side, you have uh, you know, uh, one guy who gave $250,000 to Bill Clinton, another guy who voted for Joe Biden, says he's a Republican, has a, his campaign strategist, uh, essentially is a, not essentially, is a Saudi lobbyist. And the other woman ran lottery. I mean, these people are unqualified. Compare them to the genius of the, of the founders. And Massachusetts was a cradle of the American Revolution. And with our running, we have an opportunity to, you know, inspire a second American Revolution that I believe will spread across this country. That's what that's what Shiva for Senate's about. This is not about winning, you know, a Senate election. This is about unleashing a new wave, raising the standards of what quality of people should serve. And let me tell you something else. Um, the question I have: How much is enough for these people? You know, well, in my case, I'm not going to take any salary. The salary that would have been given to me, I'm going to donate to those people who are union workers and their children who don't get proper. Uh, uh, you know, access to college, et cetera. I'm also going to take any pension that comes to me, put that in a trust and also give that to working families. Why hasn't Elizabeth Warren done that? She talks about helping people. Does she need $180,000 more? It, it's, it's reparations for her, her punished Native American roots. You have to understand. Yeah. I, I, what I'm trying to say is I want to look at the eye of the other 99 senators and ask them, why do they need this money? Why do they get amazing benefits? This is supposed to be public service. You go to serve and you go back. Live like a pauper if you need to, but go serve. Actually, so I, there's there, one of the most the leaders I respect most in the world is actually, I believe he's the Argentinian president. He actually donates, I think, 75% of all the money he makes back to the people. He makes like $12,000 a year. And to survive, that's and he drives it, and he's literally his popper himself in order to help his country, like work. And I really respect that as per, in a person. I think the government has, should not be a way of making money. A government should be a way of changing people for the better. Um, it's also why I think is interesting is that the re, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. I know you're not a libertarian, but I think you're independent, and that's and that's better than you know establishment. Um, you know, the interesting thing is always the argument is well, we need roads. I'm like. Have you seen the roads the government's built? We're in the bluest state, apart from California, and the roads here are abhorrent. Everything that the government builds is abhorrent. And then you want to say that, oh, well, we, only a government can do this. Well, obviously, the, at least the current state of it is doing it wrong. And we need. To, and the thing is that when they try to help people, they hurt people. I believe like systems like welfare, obviously people need help, but they're like, you know, they keep people down because they, they coddle people and they, they give them and they, they don't, they actually punish people for succeeding. You know, because once you take, get a job in welfare, you actually get less. They take all your money away, and then suddenly, you know, oh well, it's actually better to be to stay on the system and on the, on the dole. And you have the same thing where the government is so incompetent and has become so corrupt and turned inwards that it's it's actually hurting. It, it, it's doing the opposite of what their goals are. Although I would actually question whether their goals are actually truly noble or whether they want to keep people poor and stupid. And that's why the American education system is so bad and why our benefits are so bad because they want to keep people poor, sick, and stupid and angry. At the other side and at everyone else and so they can convince them to vote yeah and these career politicians aren't even working uh, they're not even working hard to at least put on the facade of trying to help normal people like senators only work what like two to three hours every day and they only work maybe three days a week 
I mean, that 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 is not public service. That 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 is, I, I mean, that's that just service by the public. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, it's truly reprehensible that these people can claim to represent us yet fail in their basic duties. Well, look, uh, the bottom line is people have choice in this country. People need to rise up and vote for Shiva for Senate because if everything you say people truly believe in and they're angry, then people need to exercise their vote and stop being bullied into any one of these parties. Look, people like me do not come, uh, and, and I say this with all humility, I don't need to do this. Um, it's a real opportunity for the state and this country uh, that, you know, that we're running. And, and our winning will set across a wave across this nation. So it's time we stop bitching and we actually start selecting and, and choosing people who are qualified in the spirit of our founders with the same level of integrity to serve. And that's what needs to happen this election cycle in this midterm in Massachusetts. Massachusetts was a cradle, as I said, of the American Revolution and it has the opportunity to unleash a second wave with our winning and defeating not only Elizabeth Warren, but both of these um, establishment parties and telling people, wow, you can run as an independent. You can do it at a fraction of the cost and you can win. And that's a huge victory, not, not for me, but for this country. So it's time people get off their butts, stop bitching and vote for Shiva for Senate, period. I, I can't say it any other way because, you know, everything I stand for matches what the American values are. None of these politicians stand for that. None of them. By the way, I think it's actually a very obscure thing. I, so, actually, not obscure. I think it's, it, it's an important running point of yours is actually the whole Monsanto thing. I think you should explain the, the why Monsanto is so bad, as, as obviously you've explained to us. But many people don't either don't know about it or don't realize what the negatives are. Or just say it's all a conspiracy. Well, well look, it's, it's very simple, okay? Henry Kissinger said, if you want to control uh, a country, control oil. If you want to control a people, control their soil. All right? So what does this mean? Well, what do human beings rely on? Well, number one thing we rely on is food, right? What's the first thing you hear when people say, you know, uh, you know, people want to put food on the table? Well, my issue is we want to put clean, good food on the table, right? Not just food on the table. You want to put clean and healthy and nutritious food on the table because food is ultimately medicine. So let's start with very simple fundamentals where ultimately, uh, if you want to believe the religious thing, there's spirit, but we're also, you know, flesh and blood and food is what feeds us. What goes into our body is a whole range of chemical reactions to digest that food, process it, to nourish us, etc. Great food, great health. Crappy food, crappy health. What we've done to the soil, not only this country, but throughout the world is to devastate it. The best foods uh, come locally grown or fresh, high nutritional value where the soil is imbued with, uh, you know, tremendous amount of minerals and soil organisms. This is just basic science and which we don't teach by the way. So what has happened starting around post-World War II is after World War II took place, there was a process uh, uh, called factory farming, right? Which was the industrialization of farms. It was as though big was better. Now, you got to understand that came from when we had to create rations for the military in an industrial environment, canned food, processed foods, et cetera, which was wartime economy. Well, when the war ended, 
we the military industrial complex and its uh, you know vendors and distributors continued that process which meant processed food uh, preservative based food in aluminum cans and all sorts of other noxious chemicals and that continued to what, what we have uh, probably all the way up into the 70s and the 80s. Now, starting in the 60s, people started getting a little bit aware of this, particularly after Vietnam. When Vietnam took place, a company called Dow and Monsanto, two large agrobiotech companies got together and they created herbicides, which were delivered by air to defoliate the jungles in Vietnam so we could bomb the hell out of the Vietnamese using a chemical called Agent Orange, which is what Dow and Monsanto produced. So what they quote unquote innovated was the ability to deliver a very uh, toxic herbicide from the air, which would wipe out these uh, the foliage. Well, it not only affected the Vietnamese, you know, and you can go to uh, go online and you can, if you have the chance, a friend of mine just came back from a museum in Vietnam, the devastation it caused the Vietnamese people, but also the devastation it caused to our vets still to this day. Well, when the war ended, they repurposed that quote unquote innovation of delivery of herbicides by air to say, hey, you need this technology to kill weeds because you need to do industrialized farming. You guys follow me? Well, so yeah, totally. And also large scale farming. So they started creating one of the things Monsanto created was a herbicide called Roundup, which is the technical name is known as glyphosate, G-L-Y. P-H-O-S-A-T, glyphosate, P-H-O-S-A-T-E. Glyphosate or Roundup was used, again, delivering by air to essentially wipe out weeds. Well, that also not only wiped out weeds, it also affected the soil, which means then you had to fertilize it more, right? And you basically destroyed the actual soil content with now industrialized soil. Well, the problem with Monsanto's Roundup was not only did it kill the weeds, but it also killed the, the crops that you were trying to grow also reducing yield, like let's say soy. So what Monsanto did then was to go to these farmers, hey, by the way, you're all buying our herbicide. They took a gene, genetic engineering from a bacteria and they shoved it in to the organic soy plant to create Monsanto's Roundup Ready Soy, RRS, which allowed that soy to withstand Monsanto's own herbicide. So now the farmer not only had to buy the chemicals from Monsanto, but also had to buy the seed. And by the way, that seed had a license on it, like a software license. That means after the crop year, you had to go buy the seed. You could not hold their seeds. It was a violation of Monsanto's license. And by the way, if the seed went into an organic farmer and started growing there, Monsanto would go and sue that farmer also. So what you have is a total monopolization through genetic engineering. Now, Throughout that process of genetic engineering, which we call genetically engineered foods, known as GMOs, Monsanto started doing a massive ad campaign using academics, using the media, telling people this is no big deal. Genetic engineering is the same as natural plant breeding. You know, plant breeding is where it's sexual reproduction of plants, right? You take two soy plants, you mix them together um, to get a, a stronger soy plant. Well, that's natural plant breeding. But in nature, you don't see a bacterium or a gene from a fish, a flounder, you know, have a flounder doesn't have sex with a tomato. doesn't happen. But they convinced and using the fake science of scientists who are completely, 
uh, paid and bought for to convince the New York Times, et cetera. Oh, natural plant breeding is the same as genetic engineering. Don't worry. And moreover, the genetically engineered soy plant is substantially equivalent. Remember that word substantially equivalent to the organic soy plant. How do they determine substantial equivalence? Purely by self-reporting saying, hey, we looked at the soy plant, meaning we, meaning Monsanto, we looked at the fat content, the color of it. They could make up whatever criteria they wanted by a 1976 ruling, uh, a guideline, which by the way, was for medical devices in 76, which Michael Taylor, an Obama appointee to the deputy director of FDA said, oh, we'll use the 1976 guideline for substantial equivalence for assessing the equivalence of an organic plant and a GMO plant. By the way, Michael Taylor was a former head of senior, uh, senior head of science policy at Monsanto appointed by uh, Obama. So now you have self-reporting of companies like Monsanto saying these are safe. The FDA simply rubber stamps it and it goes out to the public. Well, my research, you know, I'm a PhD from MIT, uh, three other degrees in engineering. Uh, I developed some very uh, powerful revolutionary technology for doing molecular anas analysis of any kind of reactions. We looked at the genetically engineered soy plant and the organic plant, and we found that there was a substantial difference, a material difference. In fact, we found out that one of the most important antioxidants in plants and, and humans known as glutathione was 250% difference in the genetically engineered Roundup Ready soy versus organic soy, 250% difference. Now, if that had been used as the criteria of equivalence, you, it's not equivalent. So we published papers, we were attacked by Monsanto's henchmen, and then we went, went on the attack and we exposed them. So the bottom line is, forget about is genetic engineering of plants good or bad? The fundamental issue is that there's no safety assessment standards, period. I, I completely agree here because the thing is also it's actually such a, it's interesting because the FDA is so they, they also will like laud homeopathic therapy. They have a whole commission for this. Which is all of this, which has been completely scientifically proven by like peer reviewed stuff, not like the Monsanto style. Like, actually, like, no science agrees with it. They pretty much support snake oil salesmen with like acupuncture and stuff. And it's like, and, but like, it's like requiring your um, uh, insurance. But, and then they will also, they'll be like, they won't do safety standard checks on stuff like Monsanto, where you have, and I do believe that GMOs are a, a science that could do great things and could help people. But I think in the way it's currently being run, especially as a monopolized industry by a single company with a terrible track record, it's going to do far more worse, than, far more bad than it's going to do for good. And I think that the stuff like that with the research you did where it shows that, you know, the glutathione is um, different and stuff like that, where it's, which important things are being changed and not being looked at, that needs to be much more commonly known and much more looked at by FDA scientists. And, and, and in generally, and generally the government needs to actually make sure what they're putting out there is helping people and is actually healthful. Yeah. Look, the bottom line is, you know, there's a movie that I'm in, I'm the main scientist and it's called poisoning paradise. The person who produced it is uh, Pierce Brosnan. His wife is an investigative journalist and uh, the movies won, I think about 12 or 13 film awards now. Uh, but the movie talks about the devastation that's occurred to the western part of the island of Kauai, which was used as open test fields um, by Monsanto and Dow for Agent Orange during the Vietnam War. And the devastation that has caused the native Hawaiians there, all the diseases that they've gotten. And the movie talks about that. 
uh, we talk about what is GMOs, but more importantly, in the movie, I talk about that you cannot trust either party. We need to build movements. The notion of movements um, is not taught in history class, but all change in this world has come through movements, not a politician. You know, women didn't get the right to vote because of a politician. In fact, the Democratic Party la laughed Susan B. Anthony out. She took to the streets. Civil rights was not because of Lyndon B. Johnson or Martin Luther King. It was people's names we do not know. And the struggle to make sure that we get back this country and we have independent voices beyond the Democratic and Republican Party is going to be a movement. And that's what this election in Massachusetts is really about. And if we want to fight for clean food, that we go back to not only putting good food, food on the table, but good clean food, that's going to come out of a movement. And that's why people need to wake up and understand that things don't just get better. <laughs> you know, um, there's this notion, a wrong notion we were thought that good overcomes evil. It's not true. Good does not overcome evil. Evil can win. And good needs, to, you need to fight to, uh, you know, uh, gain the destiny that we want. It does, just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I, I actually, again, agree. I think also, I think actually what needs to happen in America is actually a major change in our voting system because the current system, first of all, between the Electoral College and the way where they, they force people into blocks where you have to vote for a Democratic candidate, the primary system where people are already kicked out before they can even be voted for, and the system of funding um, only parties that are large enough to hit the vote, which is what obviously created by Democrats and Republicans to keep it themselves in. The entire system has been built specifically so that only the two parties exist and only two parties are supported. I think we yeah. need, you know, um, instant recast voting. I think we need a system where people where, pe where people can vote forever they want. They should there should be multiple candidates for party, but it should not be a thing where you know they all run against each other. And then once the ma majority, even if you went by one percent, is voted for, okay, well they are that's the only person you can vote for if you if you're that party. And I think this creates a system where you get shoved into what the, the establishment wants because the establishment candidate will probably win, and the establishment candidate will be supported in the primaries. And then and pretty much that anyone who isn't exactly what the cookie cutter template of what they want a politician is, is somebody who won't do anything accomplished and anything that they actually outside of, you know, the, the vision they have, which is them themselves gaining more power will, will pretty much be kicked out through the system that had been built. And I think Trump is very interesting because he pretty much flipped the table and everyone hates him in the, in the establishment because he flipped the table. So while I disagree with a lot of his policies, I think that what he has done is actually changed politics in a very good way. I think he's taken the career politician idea that only a career politician can win, only a person who has, you know, been embittered and been turned into this pawn of, of an establishment policy and has become part of, of the system that that hurts Americans more than anything else. I think that now that we have people who actually have created co companies and jobs – are able to become politicians, I think that's an incredibly important step, even if you don't agree with his policies. I, I think the uh, the issue is this. You see, Trump's win um, was like the first shot that was fired in Lexington, right? So whenever there's a win like that, uh, a counter-revolution takes place. And in fact, if you read political history, the counter-revolution is normally more bloodier, more harsher than the initial win. And um, so what I see is Trump's win was like the initial shot. And do not underestimate the deep state. 
Do not underestimate these guys by any means um, because they are moved by power and control at levels that uh, you can't even imagine. You guys can't even comprehend it. You know, I've had glimpses of it having gone through MIT, having uh, lived out in Hollywood, two of the centers of power in this country, the military industrial complex and the Hollywood media complex. And what I can tell you is that they're vicious and they will come back with a force that you cannot imagine. So that is why I'm telling you that it's not about, frankly, it's not about Trump or it's not about Democrat or Republican. Trump did a historic duty by winning, but the next wave has to be independent of both parties. Because if that doesn't occur, we'll be suckered back into one wing of the establishment. And that's the opportunity in Massachusetts with the Shiva for Senate campaign. We offer that hope to take this beyond just one shot. Like, you know, you had Lexington and then you had a whole bunch of other battles, but the commitment was made to, you know, overthrow the, uh, the British. And that's the commitment we need to make to destroy the deep state and the establishment. Otherwise, this is just gonna be a little ping in history and the establishment will get stronger and it'll get even more controlling. So that's a big opportunity. And I say this again with all hum humility, and I've studied history all my life. And I can tell you that a campaign like our campaign will, will is sort of one in a billion to occur again, especially in Massachusetts, which I believe is a sewer that feeds the swamp in DC. And the epicenter of that sewer is Harvard University, which is where Elizabeth Warren comes from. And the reason I say that, if you look at all the intellectual elite, Republican, Democrat, they get trained there. John F. Kennedy School of Government is a training ground for the CIA. You know, you have Harvard Law School, half of the uh, Supreme Court justices come out of there. You go down the list, they control knowledge and they control um, whether human beings suffer or not. It may be a bold statement to say that, but that is the truth. What I'm trying to say, I think the bottom line is if you go back to everyday working people, minorities in this country, you know, the amount of incarceration of blacks is explosive. They keep uh, black people either in prison or on plantations. You know, you look at poor whites in this country, devastated the infant mortality rates, the amount of opioid addiction. No one wants to talk about this. It's poor whites who have been devastated. No one wants to talk about the fact that the vets are always last in line and every politician, you know, hangs out with them and gets pictures with them. They've never addressed the issue of veterans in this country. The issue yeah, it all seems to be the, uh, sorry, but it, it all seems to stem from the, the bigger problem of an overextensive government. That, that's why, you know, that's why so many African-Americans are incarcerated in prisons because of the drug war. And that's why so many uh, poor whites are kept down because of big government. Same with the vets. Well, they serve as a way for cheap labor. You see, the bottom line exactly. you got to understand is the imperialist globalist system profits from low wages. So the way they get low wages, one way is through illegal immigration. The other way is to make sure that everyday people do not get skilled, right? So they can bring immigrants in, like my parents, by the way, you know, they came in legally, but, and they paid them nothing, a quarter of their white counterpart. So they want to suppress wages. They do not want to build the infrastructure of this country. When I mean, not only the physical infrastructure, the educational infrastructure, the trade infrastructure, the trade school infrastructure. We need more. You know, our campaign is about three fundamental things. Number one, declare your independence. Stop being bullied. Number two, you know, that's sort of the core. But the first thing is we need clean government. We need term limits, end of career politicians. It's supposed to be public service, campaign finance reform. We need to throw all of these guys out.
Number two, two is real health. We need to focus on not just putting food on the table, but clean, good, clean food on the table. In order to do that, you need to recognize big pharma is a disease and prevention is the cure. Big pharma is a disease, prevention is a cure. That needs to really be the mantra of true health, not about insurance companies. We got it all, you know, asked backwards. And the other piece of this is we need real jobs. We need to skill people. We need to make sure uh, people think they're getting intellectually enlightened by getting uh, going to Ivy League schools. They're not. They're actually getting stupider. People need to actually learn skills, learn how to program a computer, learn how to you know, do carpentry, learn how to you know, fix uh, you know, a transformer. People need to actually learn skills. Without those skills, our, our, yeah, without, our, current, our current school system is not actually teaching us skills that we can use in the real world. It, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's teaching certain sets of people. You know, you look at Massachusetts and you can see Harvard University is fed by a certain set of towns. You, you can go to Lexington, right? Nothing against Lexington, right? But all the liberal elites live there, right? And I, and I think you guys are out in Newton, right? So you have all these intellectuals who think they're so much brighter than everyone else, that they're the smart folks and everyone else is stupid. How dare Shiva put only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian? How dare he say that against Elizabeth Warren? He's a racist. He's a white supremacist. It freaks him out. My favorite one is why I'm called as I'm called anti-Semitic, or you know, all the various other things. The thing is, the way they do it is they, they is, is and both sides do this consistently. They label you, and then once you're labeled, you're put into a box of people who you won't support. But I think that general, what what should people people will often say this, and I think it's one of the worst things that the deep state and the government as it stands has done and it's convinced people that democrats and republicans are the only option and it's if you don't vote for democrats, and if you don't vote for republicans they'll never win and that's like if everyone thinks that that's true but if everyone just says who cares who cares if i win who let's vote on what i actually believe versus what i think will happen and everyone voted for the party they believed in then the system will break down they would no longer have the power they have yeah the look the the issue is the, the whole notion of left and right is nonsense. The whole notion of these political theories are nonsense. It has to just go down to fundamentals. And the fundamentals are, you go back to very simple basics. People, everyday people want to work hard. They want to put good, clean food on the table. They want to make sure that they have a future. And they want to make sure that they're not going to be uh, treated like, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically be on a, a plantation or for that model, be in a minimum security prison. You know, to put it very simply, people essentially want to live a free life and be able to pursue their dreams. And when you take that away from them, you end up with what we have. You lower standards, you create situations where you, you create race war. Look, people are, I mean, it's crazy in these neighborhoods, you know, some young baby is getting shot because of a ricochet bullet. I don't know if you guys know what's going on. These people do not want that, you know, and and both parties are very clever at taking advantage of illegal immigration, both parties, because they would have solved it. Republicans and Democrats, you know, what is a sanctuary city? It's complete nonsense. I mean, I what is that? Chef, it's like, it would be like if we did sanctuary cities for any other crime, it would be absolutely insane. OK, here's a sanctuary city for murderers. If you are a murderer, we're not going to punish you. It's like. They brought, I obviously, I understand immigrants come, come to the country. I think it should be easier to immigrate. My view on immigration, at least the system I view it as it should be, is that you come in, you get a five-year period where you, if you commit a single crime of any sort, you're back out. And if if you are, 
you know, and if you have a criminal record, you can't come in. But you should be able to come in, and if you, and also if you end up not working, you should have to leave. So if somebody comes in and they work and they don't commit crimes, I think you should be allowed to stay. Otherwise, I don't think they should be allowed in the country. I don't think you should be able to come in illegally and then be like, oh well, my family's here. Um, you know, even though I committed a crime, has any other crime ever been used as an excuse? Well, you murdered somebody. Well, my family. You can't take me away from my family. You, you're a murderer. The, the the idea that you're gonna say oh we're not just not gonna we're not gonna do our job we're not gonna punish people who are committing crimes is absolutely insane and it's, and it's and both sides have used this advantage of you know the the right using having most incompetent methods of just keeping illegal immigration going while making sure there's still a straw man to yell at and the left you know just wanted to say well uh, we don't like the term illegal immigration we refer undocumented migrants and just pretty much you know going on that side and trying to and, and getting that support. Mm-hmm. Look, 30% of Harvard's um, entrance is 30 to 35% is based on donations you give. It's based on what's called legacy admissions. Harvard is a accredited university which receives federal funds. Why is that university allowed to receive federal funds? Think about it, right? They basically, it's an insider's racket. So when you allow the so-called elite, when they practice insider trading, it all starts there. Um, Harvard fundamentally is a Wall Street hedge fund, $40 billion hedge fund. Elizabeth Warren has never said a word against Harvard. You know, when I was at MIT, I was fighting MIT. I exposed MIT. I organized the food service workers. I made sure more women came in, more poor whites, more poor blacks. You know, I was the one who at my PhD graduation held up a banner which said US out of Iraq. Like I put myself on the line even though I was in there, I wasn't a inactive citizen saying, I'm going to watch, protect my ass. Elizabeth Warren has not done that. You're talking about people who have no skin in the game. And that's the culture that we're creating. And that's a very, very dangerous culture where people don't have skin in the game. They're taught that you don't work hard. Others work hard. You don't. If Elizabeth Warren really cares about everyday poor people, why is she taking a salary from the U.S. Senate? Why? Why did she take a 350K job? You know, and then she's talking about tuition being high. She should return that money. You know, I taught two courses at MIT, took no tuition, nothing. So these people need to be called to task for are they living what they say? You know, look, I think it's good to make money. I worked hard, I made a lot of money. I have nothing against people who make money, but these people tell people they're against people who work hard and make money. But then they themselves live in their multi-million dollar mansions and you have to wonder how much is enough. You have a mansion, you made a lot of money, you have benefits that you get from Harvard. How much money do you need? How much money do you need, Elizabeth Warren? And then yet you're out there saying you're gonna fight for people? That's why I call them all fakes. Yeah, it's she like disgusting. Exactly. She she sort of she paints herself as you know, the champion of the working class. When if you if you just look if you just look a little deeper than than the surface. You can see that that's just demonstrably untrue. And that's the same with all these establishment politicians. Really. And, and the bizarre thing is the fact that they will they will also they will also scream cultural appropriation and, you know, the rich are grinding the poor into the ground. And then they will be like Liz Warren, who will literally lie about her race and completely steal another race in order to help her campaign and also be uh, um, rich. And then she will do this. And, and you're like, wait, 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 what? What is going on right now? And how is no one seeing this? 
Well, the reason they're not seeing it is quite simple. All the other elites who are around her practice the same behavior. They don't have any integrity, so no one wants to stand up. The reason that we say only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian, the reason they hate it, the reason that the city of Cambridge wanted us to pull down that sign, because they know the power of that. And they know the guy behind that, me, has the gumption and the integrity to stand behind that. Scott Brown didn't have the integrity. That's why he sort of did it and then stopped, right? But when we say only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian, we're talking about all of them as fakes. We're not just talking about Elizabeth Warren. We're talking about all these people who do not work for a living. They do not represent the working class. They do not represent blacks. They do not represent minorities. They do not represent whites. They represent no one but their little clique of people. It's disgusting. It's disgusting that people are even thinking of voting. It's disgusting that people think they have to vote Republican or Democrat. People need to wake the hell up. That's not what this country is about. It's so, just absolutely disgusting. I, I, I do agree. I think that, you know, I, I disagree with a lot of the policies. I disagree with a lot of the stuff that's being done. Actually, what I would personally like is if there is, I, I have this idea, I don't know if it would actually work, but if there is a, if you did something where you had the constitution as a center and then all extraneous laws actually were purged every 30 years. So they had to evolve based on what people actually wanted versus what, what, what had been entrenched for decades. Yeah, I think, I think people need to recognize that they're being bullied and they are, they do not need to be bullied anymore. They do not need to vote Democrat or Republican. They need to come to terms with, they have a choice and that choice is Shiva for Senate. And, and by voting for Shiva, they're voting for themselves to have a better day and to raise their standards. And they need to vote that way because they need to stop the bullying because they're being bullied by either of these parties that you have to vote Republican or Democrat. I mean, look at it in Massachusetts. I mean, what has Charlie Baker actually done? This guy was the son of, I believe, a senator, right? His father or his father went to Harvard. So he gets to go to Harvard. What has he actually created? He was he was a president of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. So obviously he's a big insurance guy. So where did, and 20% of the GDP of this country is now going to healthcare and there's no end in sight to that. Or if you look somewhere like, like outside of the country, like Justin Trudeau, um, Justin Trudeau is part of a Trudeau family, which has been, which, which he literally got elected on his name and nothing else. And he is an incompetent asshole idiot who's tried to take the, the Canadian free speech, who's raised taxes and who has done absolutely nothing to help anyone. And this is, I think this is more of an overarching issue. It's why you see that we have in the beginning. So I think, the beginning of every century uh, is a time of change. I think that's why we've seen huge new political movements ri rising across with the Brexit movement. You've seen, you know, far right and far left movements because people will go to anything in order to see it to be away from the, the, the center, which has become such an entrenched and, you know, toxic system that has, exists in, in, in the current period. And, and you know, it, across Europe, across every, the Western world, the, the political tides are, split, are shifting because people are tired of it. Yeah, uh, what I'm trying to say uh, is that um, movements don't just occur. Um, they occur when people wake up and people also organize themselves. And that's the opportunity in Massachusetts right now with what we're doing. You know, our campaign is so different. You know, we're talking about big and real things. We're not talking about idiotic five issues that the Republicans and Democrats want to talk about abortion, transgender, and two, two or three other things, right? Okay, you're pro-abortion, I'm anti-abortion. You're pro-transgender, I'm not. They talk about issues that fundamentally don't affect the everyday lives of people. 
They don't. We're talking think, about the fact, what kind of food are you getting? That's a big, important issue. Well, what, I think a big, what kind of jobs are you going to get? You know, the 21st century is upon us. Do Are people being trained in all these new technologies? What is the intellectual property laws going to be? Do people in Congress even understand what these laws are going to be about? Let's talk about net neutrality, right? Well, it's not just about the telcos. You know, Google and Facebook, they're working in a hyperdimensional world. 99% of these politicians do not understand the danger of these two companies and Amazon. We are creating monopolies on such a level that politicians are completely idiots because none of them have ever programmed a computer. None of them have really taken, understand science or engineering. So they don't really understand the ramifications of these companies. And yet they continue to get elected because they keep bamboozling people to the two, two party model. And we need to bust that up. And I'm telling that's the core. The core is that the deep state is one, the establishment is one, and it wants to enslave people and the opportunities for people to vote independent. They need to declare their independence. That's the second American revolution. And that's what we can do in Massachusetts with our election campaign. It's that simple. If we don't unleash a second American revolution, I'm telling you, the second wave against Trump is going to be even stronger because they're reorganizing. And it's not going to be like Trump won and now we have more freedom. No, the second wave is going to even, you know, the, the establishment will come back 10 times stronger. Yeah, I mean, there are there are, they were arming up the day after Trump won. But uh, anyway, I, I, I don't want to seem too pessimistic here, but I, I just. Well, it's not pessimistic. The fact is the optimism is I'm running. You know, there right. are people out there running. And the optimism, optimism is they don't know what to do with our campaign. Look at what, what's happened. Literally one out of three people, you know, when I'm distributing, know about our campaign. The mainstream media is so scared, scared shitless. The Boston Globe puts it when I was the first one to announce as a Republican in February 2017, the first one out there. And by the end of that year, you know, I was the first one announced and some other uh, guy, Dirty Deal, announces who's the guy who faked a Photoshop picture with Trump you know, is not the Trump co-chair, complete liar. He's part of the fake Trump movement to sucker people back into the establishment. Well, they put the three pictures of the three Republican candidates, the three white candidates, and they leave the darkie out. So I tweeted out, racist Boston Globe leaves the darkie out. Well, that went viral. The senior editor who wrote that article calls me, goes, why are you calling me a racist? I said, Jim, you are a racist. You put the three white candidates, you leave me out. What do you want me to call you? He goes, oh, my intern forgot. <laughs> and on the other hand, you have people like Howie Carr. That's, that's very convenient. I like that. It's very well, then you have people like Howie Carr who takes advantage of poor whites. He's got his little shtick telling all the poor whites that the blacks are the problem, right? And he tries to say, I'm a wife beater. That's Howie Carr. When he actually, you know, expunged his record, got divorced for, you know, doing horrible things. So that's look, what these. So let me look, finish. Let me finish. Let me just finish. My point is both of these parties are scared shitless about our campaign. Because in a midterm election, they know that we're the ones that can completely disrupt them. Because remember, majority of people in the state are independents. And they have either, you know, pinching their nose, they vote Elizabeth Warren or they vote Republican, better of two evils. Well, they don't need to vote better of two evils. They actually have a real alternate. And that's scaring the hell out of them. And they don't know what to do with us because we're getting our word out there through new media, through guys like you, through others. And they know the power of that slogan. And they know that I, you know, stand up to bullying. You know, when the city of Cambridge said to take down our banner, 
and that they were going to start fining us $300 a day. 99% of these politicians would have kowtowed. I sued them in federal court and we won. The, the, the other thing is also, I think that in the age of the internet, it's going to be almost impossible to survive with, with these two-party states and these and, and the system that's existing. Yes and no. Because yes and no. It's not always true because you can all – look, when, when the Gutenberg press came, everyone thought, oh, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for everyone to get their word out. Well, you ended up having four behemoth publishing companies, okay? And if you're an author, and you, need to get, you needed to go through one of them, right? So technology is an interesting thing. Technology comes and it helps dispersion of information, but it also at the same time can help in the consolidation and centralization of information. Because, you know, let me give you an example. If I don't like you and I took you out of the Google search index, you are gone. You don't exist. So in the same way you can get out there, I can also make you a non-entity. So technology, yes and no. You got to be careful with that. So as much as we have access to information, at the same, it's like the yin yang, right? At the same moment, you can have complete darkness too. You can be wiped out. In the old days, they used to just shoot people. In the new day, they character assassinate people. We're in a new age of Salem witch trials. I do, I do agree with most of the things you said, and I do think that there is a lot of issues in, in the current country, and they need to be solved. I think the only way they can solve it is a new, is a, is a new voice, and new, and, and people saying new things. Yeah, and, and even I, even if you don't win, I think that your campaign is, is an extremely powerful force that will really shake up, uh, I, I mean, as certainly Trump's did, uh, shake up the establishment politics, uh, particularly here, here in Massachusetts. But the great thing is, if you if you get the, the number of votes that you're predicted to get, like you've been polling quite high for an independent candidate in, in the polls that I've seen, at least, um, about 10%, that will, if, if you get to enough, that will force all the mainstream media outlets, basically, when, when they when well, they pull. Well, if you if you look at the poll that WBUR did, the number one way you get on uh, the, the debate stage is what's called visibility. So if you looked at the questions, the disgusting WBR, which we're probably going to report them to the FEC and go after them, they asked, did you hear of Elizabeth Warren? Did you hear of Charlie Baker? Did you hear of um, who else? Uh, Jay Gonzalez, you know, did you? Did you hear blah, blah, blah? They said, yeah, did, and- they never asked, did you hear of Shiva Yaduri? Because they know I'd be probably north of 40%. Right, yeah. Right? So they left that, left me out of that. And then they later asked how I was doing. But that visibility question, they purposely left me out. Because they know all the stuff we've been doing, suing, the free speech rally I did. People know Shiva for Senate across the state. More than they do at the other numbskull Republican candidates. So people need to take them to task. WBR is a racist, fascist organization. And, you know, and they're publicly funded, by the way, through NPR. Right. They're publicly defunded because what they just did was Jim Crow segregation. Right. That's Jim Crow segregation. Leave the darkie out. And then yet they purport to be, you know, the big fighters for inclusivity and diversity. But they want people like me on a plantation because as long as I'm a Democrat, as long as I'm a good Indian, shake my head and meditate and sit in the lotus position, I'm a good Indian. But they sure don't want a, an Indian like me challenging them, right? They want people like, you know, the guy Satya who runs Microsoft or Sundar Pichai runs. They don't want people like me because I break up their narratives, you know? They don't want a good-looking, smart, aggressive, you know, American guy like me. 
who breaks all their narratives. I'm a, 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 they know I'm a formidable candidate and a dangerous candidate. So their only solution is try to leave, attempt to leave me out. But we're not going to let that occur. And the fact that they tried, the fact that WBR did that is a big, big red flag how scared they're about us. You go look at on my YouTube when we went through the St. Patrick's Day Parade, two million people cheering us on, cheering us. That's what our campaign is about. It's truly a people's campaign. We have a historic opportunity with our campaign because people across this country are tired of both of these parties. And what they want to see is they want to see real and substantive change independent of both of these parties. They're tired of being bullied. And that's what we offer. We have an amazing way to solve these problems. You're looking at, I mean, I've been solving problems all, all my life. You know, engineers solve problems. Lawyers and lobbyists and politicians create problems, right? Their incentive is to create problems. Think about how a lawyer works. You bill more hours, you get more money, right? You want a problem not to ever be really solved. Engineers, if we don't solve a problem, we don't get our next contract. We don't get our customer. Planes fall out of the sky. Right. So the opportunity is for people to recognize that they have a historic opportunity to achieve it for Senate. If people want to support our campaign, you know, we fought for free speech and we won. We were victorious. You know, people should go to our website, Shiva for Senate, and get the real Indian road warrior kit. 25 bucks delivered to your home, shipping included. You get two magnetic signs for your card, bumper stickers, a yard sign. You do that. That's how we create a revolution in Massachusetts. Everyone should be driving around with those magnetic signs, 16 inches by, you know, uh, by four, uh, 12 inches, which says only the real Indian can defeat a fake Indian. And what that says to people is I'm going to defend my free speech. I have a right to say this. And we're tired of fake people, tired of these politicians. Everyone should go get those and put them on for the next five months. This campaign is going to be over in, you know, in, in moments. Right. Visibility is really the key here. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, I just like to thank you so much for coming on and uh, well, great questions. You guys are, are are good. I'm glad there's young people like you guys out there. Um, you know, you guys need to get off your butt. <laughs> yeah, Inspire other people. You know, uh, get your act together because you guys are the future. And thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm glad you guys are doing this. But go raise hell. You know, seize the day, man. Right. There's yeah. Else to do but that. You have to go balls to the walls. Exactly. And I will be out um, next weekend uh, working my butt off getting signatures. I, I will be away for the next week. So I apologize for that. Oh, no but anyway, yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's truly yeah. been a pleasure. Uh, please, uh, if you're listening uh, and, and you haven't already, please go donate or support Shiva's campaign at shivaforsenate.com. That is Shiva, the number for senate.com. And, and, also, and remember, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Exactly. And uh, remember, you can support us on Patreon. SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. You can find those all at our SoundCloud link or our Twitter page. So thanks again so much, and talk to you later. Great job, guys. Be well.